The church turned seven years old today, and uh, wow, we made it, all right? Uh, the first couple years, I wasn't sure we were going to make it. COVID year, definitely wasn't sure we were going to keep making it, uh, but you know, God has been gracious and good for seven years. My favorite part of pastoring this church is the life change stories. All right, so there's a lot of things that go into pastoral ministry. There's some good days, there's some bad days, some amazing days and wonderful days, and then some hard days. But the favorite, absolute best part of doing this job is the stories of people who have had their lives radically transformed by Jesus. And we celebrate those stories. And so what I'm going to do today is I'm going to tell you one of my absolute, all-time, top-level favorite stories, all right? Like, I'm talking like, like one, of the, one of the best we've ever had in the history of our church. I love a good life change story. So go back to the beginning of the church. We moved here in 2016. Uh, we moved from Indianapolis, and I came into the Marietta area to start this church. God had spe very specifically called us to move to my wife's hometown. The wife's family always wins out. Isn't that how it works in marriage, right? So they, God had very specifically called us to come to her hometown and to start this church. So one of the things I did early on, my son was in elementary school at the time, and he was kind of a blossoming athlete, and so I got involved in football coaching. So in my second season of coaching, it's, it's the fall of 2017, the church is a little bit less than a year old at that point, and I'm coaching a third and fourth grade football team. And my son is a fourth grader on that team. And of course, I had, I had both age groups, third and fourth. And a, and, a, and a new family had come and gotten involved with the team. And they had a son named Nate, who was a third grader at the time. And I got to know a little bit the dad of that family. Uh, his name was Gerald. And so Gerald, you know, I didn't know Gerald real well. I didn't know his story real well. Um, kind of had the impression that maybe, maybe he was far from God. Maybe, maybe he didn't have a, like kind of a, a background in, in the church at all. Wasn't really sure about that, but got to kind of know him. And we built a little bit of a friendship just through coaching his kid, you know. Well, one day, at some point during that season in 2017, Nate says to his dad, as a third grader, this is kind of amazing, um, Hey, Dad, I kind of want to learn about God. I kind of want to learn about God. My coach is a pastor. What would you think about us going to the coach's church? And his dad said, well, Nate, you know, I'm, I'm not going to, if you want to learn about God, I'm not going to stop you from doing that. Sure, let's go to the coach's church. And so they come to our church one Sunday, back in 2017, in the fall. And um, back then, at that stage, we were meeting in the Reno Business Park. So, like, if you don't know where that is, like, like down Route 7 down here, like, another five minutes down the road, this gigantic business park, that's where we started the church. And we had a room that was, like, half the size of this one. I mean, it was the tiniest little room to work with. We packed people into that thing. And, and Gerald and Nate and their family came to church that day. And we go through the whole message, and I'm super excited that they came there, you know, to church. I always love it when a new guest walks into our church. And we get to the end of the message, and at the end of the message, I did what we've been doing for seven years in our church. What do we do for seven years, guys, at the end of messages in this church? We ask people to come to Christ. Good answer, Mary Coffin. Way to go. Right? We ask people to come to Christ. And we've been doing this in, in, in almost 100% of the messages, with a few exceptions over seven years. We've almost always asked people to come to Christ at the end of a message. And so we go through the message, and, 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 I, and, I, and I pray, and I, and I ask everybody, you know, bow your heads, close your eyes. I want to ask you if you want to come to Jesus today. And of course, I'm like peeking at Gerald and his family, right? Like, like hoping that something's going to happen. And we pray, and at the end, I ask people, if you've given your life to Christ today, would you be bold? Would you put your hand in the air? 
And Gerald put his hand nice and high up in the air that day. And I remember standing like up there on the stage in the Reno Business Park. I am ready to, if I could do a backflip, I would do a backflip. I cannot. I will break my neck if I try. But if I could have done a backflip, I'd have done a backflip that day. Because, he, because, because I knew what this meant for him. That if this was a genuine moment where he was genuinely inviting Jesus into his life, I knew that what was going to happen was that the Spirit of God was now getting inside of him. And the Spirit would start his work in Gerald's life and would do that work for a very, very long time. In fact, for the rest of his life, the Spirit of God would never depart from him and would always keep working and refining. And I knew that for him. So now we, we like go back to the football season, and I'm pumped. And of course, I want to I see him grow in Christ. I want to see him mature in the Lord. And about a week or two later, I go to a football practice. And uh, Nate's mom comes up to me at that football practice and she says, Coach, she says, I need to tell you something. She said, uh, Gerald got arrested the other day. I said, oh man, you know, what did he get arrested for? And of course, she, she told me the story of what he got arrested for. And, uh, and that was the last I ever saw Gerald. The absolute last I ever saw of him. I never got to connect with him again. I kind of lost track of what happened with his... With his trial, he ended up in, in, in prison, and his, his son was still on, on my team, and, and I kind of knew their family for that season, then just kind of lost touch with the family. Now, you probably say to me, well, that's a depressing story. How is that your, one of your favorites? There's more to the story, and I'll bring it to you at the end of this message, all right? But Gerald was gone. And, and, and I didn't have an opportunity to do anything with him from that point forward, but I knew, I know what's biblically true. What's true is that the Spirit of God does His work inside of people. So guys, the, the best way that I can try to describe this, I want to try to help you to understand what the Spirit of God actually does inside of people so that you can get what we have been trying to do for seven years in this church. So I'm going to use an, an illustration of a cup. I have up here an, an empty cup. Every single human being is running through life with an empty cup. Everybody, period. Rich people, poor people, people who are addicted, people who seem like they have their life all together, married people, single people, divorced people, uh, moms, dads, grandparents, everybody is walking through life with an, an empty cup. And what we do with our empty cup, and Gerald walked in that day to that church service with an empty cup, is we run around the world like to drink dispensers in the world trying to get our cup filled. So people run to all kinds of different things, and of course we judge each other for the things that we run to, when the reality is all of us run to the wrong things to try to fill up our cup, don't we? So people sometimes run to uh, money and say, if I can just get enough money, I can fill my cup, my cup will be full. But the problem is that there's never enough money to keep your cup full. The cup is always leaking and draining. And so you, 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 you lose it and then you got to go get more. And you, and you just get in this endless pursuit. Some people take their cup to their career and say, if I can just keep advancing in my career, that will be the thing that will fill my cup up and make me feel whole inside. Other people run to relationships. So maybe they're, they're in a marriage and, and, and it feels like it grows dry and stale. And so they think, if I go to that person over there, that will be, she'll be the one, he'll be the one that will fill my cup up. Some people run to bars on Friday nights, drink themselves silly, end up with bed with people they don't even know. Why? Trying to fill their cups up. 
You see, some people run to substances. We all have a cup that is craving to be filled. Gerald walked in that day to church with an empty cup looking for something. But the problem is that anything in this world that you put in your cup will eventually cause your cup to go dry again. There is nothing in this life or in this world that will permanently fill your cup. It's impossible. But Jesus gave us an answer to what it is we are actually craving and looking for. And he gave us a different kind of solution than constantly running with our empty cup to look for the wrong sources to try to fill us and satisfy our spiritual thirst. I want to take you into uh, the Gospel of John this morning. And and listen, all I'm going to give you today is two verses out of the Bible. That's it. Two verses out of the Bible that I want you to hear and understand today. But these two verses out of the Bible have the potential to change your life. And they have the potential to help you to understand what it is we are constantly, constantly doing. For seven years as a church, we've been inviting people like Gerald to come to the table and, 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 and to receive Christ. And these verses are going to help you to understand why. So here's the context. It's John chapter 7. Now in John's gospel, John focuses on the final week of Jesus' life. So all the other gospel authors, what they look at in Jesus' life is that they look at like, like the totality of his life. Like some of them will talk about the, the birth story of Christ and, and, and they'll talk about a whole bunch of miracles that happened over three years in his ministry. John really focuses his entire gospel almost entirely into the final week of his life. So here we are in John 7 and Jesus is preparing to go to the cross to his death. So he goes into Jerusalem And in Jerusalem, he goes during the Passover festival, which is this unbelievably huge festival in Jewish culture, where like a couple million people would descend upon Jerusalem during this time. Jesus goes into the temple where all the people would be worshiping, and they would be bringing their sacrifices to God. And he goes to the temple, and he starts to preach in the temple courts. And he he stirs up a hornet's nest that final week by preaching in the temple courts. And ultimately, it's what Jesus did in the temple that caused the, the, the Jewish rulers and the Roman officials to say, we, we got to get rid of this guy. We, 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 ha- we have to find a way to kill him. Because Jesus stirred up all kinds of problems in the temple courts through his preaching. So here he is preaching. Just imagine a packed temple court, thousands and thousands of people. And, he, and, he, and he's probably trying to yell over the crowds so that they can hear him. Right? And he, and he says these words, John chapter 7 and verse uh, 37. It said, On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and he said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Verse 38, Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, Rivers of living water will flow from within them. Two verses. But two verses that have the potential to transform your life and can help you to understand what it is, what the heck have we been doing for seven years in this church. I'm trying to put it together for you. Here's what Jesus said. He said, everybody, everybody's going around with an empty cup. Jesus said, I have a different source of water for you. Come to me, all you who are thirsty. 
Don't come to your career. Don't come to another person and try to get them to fill your cup. Don't, don't, don't come to money. Don't come to more possessions. Don't come to a substance. Don't come to alcohol. Don't come, don't come to power or authority. Come to me, all you who are thirsty. And of course, everybody, everybody is thirsty. Come to me, all you who are thirsty. And then what he said, he, he said this amazing statement. He, let, let, let me just read verse 38 to you again. He said, whoever believes in me, as scripture has, has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Do you understand what Jesus is saying? You see, absolutely everything you would ever put in a cup will run dry on you. Everything. Except for Jesus. Because when you drink of the waters of Christ, what Jesus said happens to you is that you actually get a well that builds inside of you. And for the rest of your life, what you have is this well of living waters that keeps springing up and springing up and springing up and springing up from within you for the rest of your life. And what that means is that your cup never goes dry again. It never goes dry again. And in fact, as a believer, if you chase the things of this world, what's happening is you're being deceived by the enemy. You're being tricked into old patterns to try to run with your cup to the things of the world again. Because what you have inside of you through Jesus is a wellspring of life. Right? Like that's why we sang that first song we sang to there, come to the river, come to the river. What it's talking about is this river that flows within you for the rest of your life. You see, what happens is when you come to Christ, Jesus takes the Spirit of God and he puts the Spirit of God inside of you. And God's Spirit for the rest of your life never leaves you alone, ever. All of a sudden, God's Spirit starts to speak and starts to show you areas of your life where you've been in sin and you need to repent. And you go, I don't want to repent. And the Spirit of God just nags at you and keeps going until you eventually say, okay, God, I'll, I'll repent. And the Spirit of God starts to show you your calling in life and, and unveil for you your, your purpose and where you're supposed to go. And you may go, I don't want to go there. And God's Spirit just keeps kind of nagging and pressing and pushing on you and saying, but that's where I have for you. And the Spirit of God causes you to start to love other people. And the Spirit of God causes you to start to forgive the people who have wounded you and who have hurt you. And the Spirit of God stirs up inside of you a love for your Heavenly Father and an obedience to Jesus Christ. You see, what God's Spirit does inside of you is it puts a river that just keeps, a well just keeps flowing and flowing and flowing and flowing so that you never, ever, ever have to have an empty cup again. For seven years, we've been standing on this platform and we've been asking people, will you come to Christ today? And for seven years, we've been asking, most of you have already come to Christ and we've been asking those of you who have come to Christ to bring your friends to church so that maybe they could be given an opportunity to come to Jesus. And the reason we've been doing that is so that God's spirit can get inside of people and produce a wellspring of life in them. This is why we do what we do. 
And so what happened back in 2017 when my friend Gerald came in to the service and he, and, he, and he comes in absolutely with an empty cup and he meets Jesus and then he gets arrested and he's gone and I have no relationship with him moving forward. What I had to do was trust, Lord, I wish that I could be in his life, but you haven't allowed me to be in his life. But I can trust that you've put the spirit inside of him and you will produce living waters within him. And I had, to, I had to trust that. For seven years, we've had people walk through our doors who come in here. Gosh, we've had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people over seven years who have raised their hands on a Sunday morning to say they are receiving Christ. And everything in me wants to see those people show back up at church next Sunday and say, I'm ready to grow. Make me a disciple. And guess what? They almost never do. Show back up to church next Sunday and say, help me to grow to be a disciple. Some of them do. In fact, some of you in this room right now are people who once raised your hand during one of our services. And you did show back up. And you did stay the course. And you did grow in Christ. And here you are today, years later, a much more mature believer and follower of Jesus. But guess what has happened to hundreds of people? They come in the doors. They meet Jesus. I want to receive Jesus. And, if, and listen, if they genuinely, authentically invite Christ in, the Spirit gets inside of them, and then they go. And it's heartbreaking every time. And you have to stand back and say, God, if you will grant us the opportunity to be in a person's life for the long haul, we'll walk with them to help them to, to grow into maturity. But God, if that person like steps out and runs another direction, I have to trust you that you will do your work for the rest of their life. And when the time is right, you will bring other people into their journey or another church or other believers who will help them on the stage of growth that they need to go through at that time when they're ready. This is what we've been doing for seven years, guys. Helping people to meet Christ and to receive the Spirit of God inside of them. Now listen, this has implications for all of those of you who have met Christ. So most of you in this room, maybe not every one of you, but most of you in this room have met Jesus. And you have got the Spirit inside of you. And you have started to change. And let me tell you something that's true about you now. You now have a responsibility as a person who's met Jesus to be a distributor of the waters of life to other people. So I'm going to give you a second illustration. Because you don't have an empty cup anymore. You have transformed from a person with an empty cup. Let me give you another illustration. You have transformed into a spigot. You know what a spigot is, right? Back in western Pennsylvania where I grew up, we called this thing a spigot. Spigot. It's actually a spigot. We couldn't pronounce in western Pennsylvania, all right? This is a thing that goes into your wall, connects to a water source, so that it can connect to a hose, so that you can crank open a valve and the water pressure behind it can pour out through the hose. That's what this is. And as a believer and a follower of Jesus now, you are no longer a person with an empty cup. You are a spigot. You've got the living waters inside of you. And now Jesus is inviting you to live a life of cracking open your valve so that people can come to meet the Lord as well. This is what he calls you to do. So listen, for, for those of you 
For those of you who have never met Jesus, I want you to know, if you showed up today with an empty cup, I'm going to give you an opportunity at the end of this service to meet Christ so that your cup will never go empty again. But for those of you who have already met Jesus, let me extend to you a challenge. I'm going to give you a spigot challenge, all right? So we're going to have a little bit of fun. We're going to play with an acronym with the word spigot, okay? You got it? We're going to put an acronym up on, up on the, up on the uh, screens here. What is a spigot? A spigot is a serving, praying, inviting, giving, openly telling person. And that's what you're called to be. Now I'm going to break that down piece by piece. A spigot is a serving, praying, inviting, giving, openly telling person. Let, let, let me kind of give you that like in, in, in chunks. Serving. Guys, when you choose to serve others, it is transformative. If you want to know why hundreds and hundreds of people have come here for seven years with their empty cups and they've received Christ, it's because we have so many people serving in this church. We have servants. We call them the dream team. We have people who show up in our parking lot and take umbrellas out when it's raining. We have people who, who are in our tech booth who get here early. We, we have people in our band. We have people who run our online ministry. We have people running youth ministry throughout the week. People leading groups throughout the week. We have people editing videos and putting them on social media. People serving in kids' ministry. People serving as security so that the kids' ministry can be, can be taken care of. And you never have to worry about your kids here at church. We have people who are ushers and greeters and people who count money. We have people who are serving in church. We call them the dream team. And guys, I want to invite you to be a part of them. So that you can crack open your valve and help to give the waters of life to other people. Literally today, there's an opportunity to, be, to become a servant in our church. After the 11 o'clock service, we're going to hold a lunch right over in that gym. It will probably start at about 12.15. And all you got to do is show up. No registration needed. Child care is provided. We got food for you. Give us about an hour and 15 minutes of your time. And let us show you how to become a servant in our church and a member of our dream team. You can become an open flowing spigot that can, that can bring waters of life to other people. So I'm inviting you to that. The P stands for praying. We are a praying church, guys. We are a praying church. So for seven years, we've been opening up every ministry year with 21 days of prayer and fasting. We will do that again next January. Every ministry year we open up with that. But we don't just pray once a year for 21 days. We pray every single week as a church. And guys, I got to tell you, there is a prayer movement growing in our church right now. Guys, we have about a dozen people who are meeting consistently on Tuesday mornings at 6.30 in the morning. That's early. I'm one of them. It's early. I, every Tuesday I want to sleep in. But you know what? I show up in a room right across that hall. And half of the people are in the room and half of the people are at that URL, prayer.pw.church. So we've got half online, half in the room, and we pray. And I want to invite you to become a praying person. Become the kind of person who would start to lift up your family and your friends and people in your life who are far from God. People in your life who are running around with an empty cup. Pray for them on Tuesday mornings with us. So I'm inviting you to come join us. Be a praying person. Get involved. Because we need God's help to keep reaching more people in our city, don't we? We can't do this in human strength. If we want to bring the waters of Jesus to people, we've got to unite as a, as a unified front together. Part of that means praying together and asking God for his help to reach our city.
Serving, praying people are spigots. You know what else is a spigot? Is an inviting person. Every single week, I don't know if you know this, we hold a church service on Sunday mornings. Every week. We've, you know, do you know that in seven years, uh, I was about to say we've never missed one. That is actually not true. We've missed a few. We, we, we take one Sunday off a year. At the, after Christmas, that Sunday after Christmas, the only one we take off a year. And other than COVID, and what it did to all the churches around the, the country, we've never shut down a church service. Guys, we're here every week. And you have an opportunity because you have touch points out in the world with people. You have an opportunity to be an inviter. And you can invite people to, to come into church where they could receive Christ. Where they could meet Jesus. Where they also could get the living waters inside of them. You have that opportunity as an inviter. The G stands for giving. Spigots are people who give. Guys, for, for those of you who participate in giving tithes and offerings in this church, I want to thank you. When my friend Gerald came in seven years ago with, with his empty cup, part of what allowed him to get his cup full was a group of people in this church had been giving. And the giving paid for the equipment. And the giving helped the staff to be hired. And the giving paid the lease on the space that we were in. And, 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 and the giving of God's people allowed us to have an environment where he could have got his cup filled with the living waters of Christ. When you give to this church or when you just are generous to people in your world. When you choose to take some of God's resources that he put in your hands and just, and just give them freely to people who have needs. You are, an, you are a spigot with your valve cracked open. You're, you're spraying the waters of Jesus everywhere when you do that. So crack open your valve. Crack open your valve. The O and the T stand for openly telling. Here's what I mean by that. You've got all kinds of people in your world who don't know Jesus. There are people everywhere running around with empty cups. Everywhere around you are people running around with empty cups. And some of them have so much church hurt that they will never step foot into church again. At least they'll tell you that today. Or some of them have such a bias against church because of what they've heard or because of some Christians that they knew at one stage of their life who did not act like Jesus that they will say, I will never step foot into a church you think God wants those people to have living water in their life as well? He does. But he's not going to give them his living waters through one of our church services. He's going to give them his living waters through you going out and openly telling your story. You have a story. And even if you feel like you, you may not feel like you know the Bible well, you may not feel like you, you, you have enough verses memorized, but guess what? It doesn't matter. You've got a well behind you. And all you have to do is crack open your valve and tell people, let me tell you what Jesus did for me. You've got a story that can bring the waters of Christ to others when you openly tell about Jesus. And so Pathway, for those of you who have met Jesus already, I'm giving you the spigot challenge today. Would you be a serving, praying, inviting, giving, openly telling person? Would you crack open your valve so people could meet Jesus? Well, guys, in just a second, we're going to get to see what happens when people meet Jesus. Because in just a second, we're going to start some baptisms. And we're going to run those baptisms during our songs. I absolutely love Baptism Sunday. It's, my, it's one of my favorite times of the year. You are going to get to see. We, we, we have eight people who are getting baptized today. 
So four of them are getting baptized in this service, and four of them are getting baptized in the next service. So you get to see half of them get baptized. Here, here's, here's what I want you to understand. Every person who's getting baptized today is a person who has had the wellspring of life come up inside of them because of Jesus. Every person has met Jesus. And every person has a new well, which means they no longer have an empty cup. And when they're getting baptized today, what they're saying to you and what they're saying to the world is, I've met Jesus and he's put a well inside of me. Isn't that amazing? Well, guys, we want to give you an opportunity. So here's what we're going to do today. We're going to do something a little differently today. Um, in a moment, we're going to stand up to our feet and worship. And when we do, we want to give you the opportunity, if you feel ready to be baptized, we're going to give you the opportunity for a spontaneous baptism. Even if you did not tell us you were going to get baptized today. Here, let me give you some parameters around it. If you have already been baptized, you do not need to be baptized again. Okay? You just need to be baptized once in your life to declare to the world, I have the wellspring of life inside of me. So if you've never been baptized, you're invited to, to come and get baptized today. Or if you got baptized as an infant or as a young child, and maybe you look back on your story and go, I kind of think maybe I knew Jesus when I got baptized at seven years old. In that scenario, I will, I will invite you to come up and be baptized today. And, and, and I know what you're thinking. Don't they dunk people in this church? Yeah, we do. Right here. They've got a whole thing full of water right here. Okay? So guess what we did for you? We went out and we bought some baptism kits. And so we actually have clothes in bags for you. And so here's what we're going to do in just a minute. In just a minute when we start singing, um, Mike is going to be over at the door. Mike, would you stand up and just wave your hand real quickly? All right, there's Mike. Mike is going to be at that door. And when we start singing, if you want to be baptized today, all you have to do is just make your way out, walk over to Mike. He'll let you out that door. They will give you a bag. You tell them your size. You get a bag. You go, you get changed. They're going to bring you out back here. And you get to be baptized along with eight other people today. And all you're saying, you're not saying I've got my life together. You're not saying I've perfected everything. You're simply saying, I have the wellspring of life inside of me. I've met Jesus and he's inside of me. Well, guys, I want to finish my story about Gerald. I told you there was more to the story. So there's kind of a redemptive ending to this whole thing. So Gerald goes off to jail in 2017 and never see him again. Never, like, almost zero contact. I think one time he sent me a text message years ago. That was, that was it. That was the, there was, outside of that, there was never a touch point again with Gerald. Until this month. So let me tell you what happened this month. This month, I got a text message from Gerald. And he said, hey, pastor. He said, I'm back in the mid-Ohio Valley. Would you be willing to sit down with me? Could we, could we talk? So I said, yeah, Absolutely. So Gerald and I go and we meet at a coffee shop together. And Gerald tells me this story. He says, when I went off to jail, he said, I came to Christ in your church right before I went to, went to jail. And when I got there, there was a chaplain who was running a church in that prison. And he said, I got involved and I began to grow in my relationship with God in prison. You see, he had the wellspring of life inside of him. He said, I was there for 18 months. I got out after 18 months, I came back to the mid-Ohio Valley, and he said, I, I didn't even want to talk to you about possibly coming back to church. I wasn't sure I could even come back to church again. He said, so what I did is I've been watching you online for years. He's been on our live feed for years. And so for those of you who have served on our live feed or our online ministry, just know that you have had an openly flowing spigot that you don't even realize is reaching people. 
He said, Pastor, I'm, I'm here to ask you if you would baptize me. I said, Gerald, absolutely. And so guys, guess what we get to do today? Our first baptism today is my friend Gerald. Isn't that awesome? Would you put your hands together for him? Come on up, buddy. Here, let me hold these for you, Gerald. I'm so proud of you, man. Here, step on into the baptismal. Could you hold these for him? Thank you. Let me get this out of the way. Is this turned off? I was told that we once lit a carpet on fire at Easter, right? Could you unplug that? Yes, could you unplug that? How many of you saw the carpet catch on fire at Easter? Did you all see that happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a real thing. Thank you. Gerald, why don't you sit down with your head this direction? Okay. All right. Gerald, I'm so proud of you. Would you scoot a little bit farther forward? Gerald, today, give me your hand. I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Come on, man. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. My pleasure. Come on out. Just put this on. Guys, I want to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus as well. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna give you an opportunity that Gerald had back in 2017 to turn your heart to Jesus. So would you all bow your heads and close your eyes with me right now? I just want you to know that Jesus is knocking at your door this morning. He's knocking at your door. And he wants to know you. And he wants to put the wellspring of life inside of you. And so if you feel ready to turn your heart to Christ, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And all you have to do is just genuinely invite Jesus into your life today. That's all you have to do. And he will come in with his Holy Spirit. He will put the living waters inside of you. So let me just lead you in a prayer right now. If you feel ready, just pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus... Please come into my life. I'm inviting you in. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on a cross for my sins. I believe you rose from the dead. And today I want to be forgiven because I'm a sinner. And so I'm inviting you in. Would you please change me from this day forward? Everybody stay with your heads bowed, your eyes closed. If you've prayed to receive Christ into your life today, nobody's going to be looking around, but I will be looking. And I just want to know if you've prayed that prayer. So if you've asked Jesus into your heart today, would you just put your hand nice and high in the air? Has anybody invited Jesus in? Thank you. Anybody else? Don't be shy. Anybody else? All right. Awesome. Thank you. I see that hand back there as well. Thank you. Amen. 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 Come on, Pastor.